Welcome to the Bangover Podcast album anniversary uh, history breakdown uh, super phantom ship. Uh, I'm Scott Allen. As always, Chris Myers. How's it going? Running the music over there, uh, the board, all the things. Uh, brought the courts today. And what are we doing? What are we, what are we talking about today? Tad's infrared riding hood. Tad infrared riding hood. As Album came out in 1995, so this makes it 15 year anniversary. Uh, it'd be the 25th year. I'm not doing math right. Now. Oh, right. <laughs> 25. Yeah. 25 fucking years. 25 years. Wow. Wow. And uh, where to get started? Um, going back, talking about the uh, Seattle music scene again. We're there in that time frame, 1995. Last album, right? Their last album, yes. Yeah, and before the they, initial breakup or the... They just put out a new live album that's out. Um, it has, like, old songs from, like, the first couple albums. But uh, it, it just kind of came out recently, but it's, it's just a live album. So that kind of came out of nowhere. But, yeah. I think, um, I don't know if this just came out... Um, I think it might have said 2016, but uh, Salt Lick got a remix or a remaster. Mm. And um, that was uh, the CD they did with Steve Albini, which um, very just um, fucking noisy, you know? Noisy and, and weird and kind of like this album a little bit. You know, from um, from for all the listeners out there that might not know Tad, um, Seattle rock band, metal band, sludge, uh, you know, right there um, touring with bands like Soundgarden, Alice in Chains, Nirvana, Mudhoney. And uh, this is just one of those bands that was there kicking ass that no one maybe got to hear, you know? Yeah. Or they didn't branch out. They didn't get the commercial success of most of these bands, you know? in some way, shape, or form, they just kind of always had a, you know, like the just a bad draw, you know, just a little bit of bad luck here and there. Um, just because their, uh, their attitude, the way they looked, the way they played, is you just can't sell that stuff, you know what I mean? Well, I think they had a lot of the cards were kind of stacked against them in a lot always, of ways because yeah. uh, almost – a little bit in the vein of like uh, that Grand Funk where they just couldn't catch a break. That's what I kept thinking too. Where it's like uh, legal it's trouble thing. after legal trouble of like yeah. an album, like a piece of promotion comes out and it, you get sued for it. It's always that. Like first it's the... <clears throat> it One was thing that after another. Yeah. Starts with the uh, the couple, you know, uh, that couple image yeah. for 8-Way Santa that then uh, 
gets, well, I, I mean, it actually goes all the way back to the conception of the name. I know, Ted. right? Like, and and just, how do you sell that? And uh, their live <laughs> performance, you know? Yeah. And uh, the type of people they draw. Yeah. And that's, and then you just follow it up with God's balls. Yeah. How do you sell that? And you, then, you, can't. you know, yeah. And, yeah. and so after that, it just kind of, then you start to get into those legal troubles, which we'll, we can get into um, kind of like, that's kind of the. Yeah. In the second half of, of this. Yeah. Um, just want to do a little bit of explaining who Tad is yeah. and where they come from, just in case no one knows. And um, the majority of our research today was taken from a documentary that uh, Chris sent me from, is it Noisy and well, Vice? Had, yeah, it's on YouTube through Noisy's channel, but it, yeah, it's kind of like a Vice thing also. Right. You can buy it and rent it. It's its its own documentary. Noisy does yeah. a lot of like um, documentaries on <laughs> bands, music stuff of like the branch of uh, Vice, you know, yeah. and Vice is all around world news, you know, if you don't know who Vice is, I mean, come on, they have their own channel. And um, the name of the documentary is Busted Circuits and Ringing Ears of Found Tapes. Yeah. It's got and, a bunch of good interviews in it. It's got a, pretty much everybody from that scene. Yeah. Played with them, hung out with them, even interviews from them besides, uh, who was it? Um, There's a couple of people I wish I would have saw in there. Steve. Maybe they didn't have the time. No, no, he was in it. It was... Um, Gary, the other guitar player, he wasn't interviewed for it. He mm. declined to be interviewed. <laughs> yeah, I didn't, so. I didn't hear from, like, the Melvins or anything or, um, you know, Dave yeah. Garol, Like that, I know that was a different drummer when they were touring together. They were touring with Chad Chandler. Yeah. So I was like, oh, right, Chad was yeah. in the band at that point. That, that must have been like the a crazy, yeah. Yeah, crazy, crazy van. All You have Nirvana and Tad. I know, just stacked in European tour. That's yeah. so crazy. They just send you. Just like so see what you can do yeah, before they broke and stuff. So, um, I mean, so g- giving y'all a little bit of the backstory yeah, yeah. here, uh, we can talk about our experiences, mine and Chris, about the first time we heard Ted. And pretty much it falls into getting into bands like Mud Honey mm-hmm. and the Melvins, you know. It's like that Jesus lizard, that, and, you, um, and they're they're one of those bands that are in that catalog or just in that grouping, you know. Yeah, what is it? The seven degrees of like Kevin Bacon. Yeah. At that time, it was for us growing up. It was seven degrees in Nirvana. So it's like whoever touched Nirvana, Nirvana and then we like yeah we like branch off branch yeah. off. So it's like oh Nirvana like or was into Green River. Who was the Green River? Oh, that's part Mud Honey and part this. Okay, well, listen to those bands. Oh, Mud Honey played with this band. Oh, right. it was this band. So you yeah. start to like just venture out with bands who are associated with each other. And Tad kind of fell into that music discovery phase and just con- consumption for me. Whereas, yeah, like, it just, know. it was one of the CDs that was going to be yeah. in the, uh, you go to genre in a music mm-hmm. store, it's going to be under grunge, yeah. you know, slash They, they always rock. stood out, though. Like, I always gravitated towards their sound because it was heavier. It, it had w- that, like, yeah. real heaviness to it compared to other grunge bands. They're not like any other <clears throat> grunge bands, in my opinion. I yeah. mean, you get, um, you know, from the first song that we just listened to there, Bullhorn was the first song we played for y'all. Second song, <clears throat> excuse me, mm-hmm. on the album, oh, man, this heavy as balls, I can't even talk. <laughs> Um, and, uh, you can kind of get the idea or like the, uh, sense of like, oh, you can hear their Seattle 
influence roots. I mean, you get a little bit of like Dinosaur Jr. in there, mm. by those uh, harmonies in the courses, it's, in the course, if you will. It's, I think they took the best of like the whole genre. They yeah. had like those soft moments, but then also they were like, of the heavy bands, they were probably the heaviest band. You know what I mean? I mean, like, for real. It, it, like, I think... Put yeah, some headphones like, on. If you're listening to this on headphones, you probably had to turn it down for that first song because it's like, holy yeah. shit, you didn't expect that much bass. It's like metal, you know, you know yeah. what I mean? It's almost on that... That's kind of like in, you know, they're, they are compared to uh, bands like Alice in Chains and Soundgarden because they've played with them. You know, that, yeah, that and, opening tour where they opened for them, it's like, it makes sense. They are like of all those bands, Soundgarden, Alice in Chains, those are like the metal of the grunge. But even Tad may even be heavier than them. Oh, yeah, it's like, you because know what I mean? it's nasty, it's yeah. dirty, it's fast, it's uh it's a constant throughout, yeah. you know. There's really um I mean, you do get those ideas of like ballad or like just singing in there, mm-hmm. but it is surrounded in just that, that yeah. bass. Really, that bass and those loud drums and the and then the guitar gets wacky and weird. I don't know. Like a lot of these songs in this album, just um, they go one way. They're, as soon as it starts, you're like, okay. And then out of nowhere, it just switches to something. Mm-hmm. It's just completely different feel. You didn't um, think that they were going to go there, you know? Yeah. And that's the best way to describe them. It's like if you took Mud Honey and the Melvins and slammed them mm-hmm. together, you know? Yeah. You get the idea of what this is going to sound like. Yeah. Uh, my first impression um, listening to their older albums was uh, because, I, you know, Inhaler is the first one we all, the, the commercial that's, success album that we all heard my favorite, first. or at least I yeah. think that's of Tad. I think that's their their magnus opus in a way, kind of, where it's like these songs yeah, they are had, so And they had the money to creative, go in there and do it. You know what I mean? Yeah. And they just sound really good. Like, it was just the production. Everything around that album was good it just uh that album also kind of a part of the uh tragic history too it's like so. every single time but we'll get into that more um i was starting to think of big black and then you know just reading a little bit about the album i was listening to salt lick which was second album I ep say. ep yeah what you know kind of demo-y thing mm-hmm. and um so that was have steve albini do it and it's like Oh well, that makes sense because yeah. Big Black was Steve Albini's band, and it has that same feel—very yeah. derivative, industrial. These drum it's beats supposed to just be a more raw. This, it's like yeah. the drum beats don't change. You know, it's like it's really just like whoa. One of the co-founders yeah. from uh, Sub Pop was saying that that was their sound live. Like they, you know, and when yeah. everyone's like trying to capture that, that he did the best job of capturing that. What they sounded like live on that yeah. release, and that um, was back in 1990. Which that that album, I, I know all I got to listen to was the remaster, but mm-hmm. Jesus Christ, it yeah. is heavy, you know. Yeah. And uh, it, again, this might be one of those bands that are like lost to people, and that's why we really wanted to do an episode on it because we were like, this it's band like, is so awesome, but it's they lost, never had but their it's opportunity. also yeah. kind of like you'll find it. It's like a cult classic. Yeah, like it, 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 you know, I'm almost hesitant to, I'm trying to pick the right word because it, it's not, they, they did get lost, but in the same way, they kind of didn't. It's like. Everyone knew it, but it was yeah. more like the bands around them knew it. 
Yeah, because uh, besides like for a huge audience, like all the bands yeah. were like, holy shit, this they're is still the best revered. band exactly. in the world. Yeah, like you know? their peers look at them yeah. as like, holy. So highly because they're yeah. geniuses and they just come up with this off, like out of nowhere, just mm-hmm. top of their head. It's just fucking go. And I think it, maybe it's that if it, if it, if they didn't have as much commercial trouble as they did, I think they would have blown up like you know, Soundgarden or Alice in Chains or any of these bands on a creative level, you know, I think they just, they suffered too much. Um, it's just the, it's, the industry. The industry, the industry but it's also... the fuck out of them. Yeah. But everything, just the timing of where yeah. we're at. This is 1995, and oh my God, we're like in the, like think about what's going on in 1995, like fucking uh, satanic panic and shit like that. So like... We're getting those fucking stickers, stickers. on albums. We're also you, those going pictures, and you're like, moms are just fucking yeah. going to court. There's a wave of at, drugs yeah. hitting music at this time. That's kind of as well I, making yeah. it not look so well when yeah. you hear stories about like Kurt Cobain, um, like almost ODing and well, then a, yeah, we're, dying. We're coming out of the '80s, which was the cocaine shit, era, yeah. and then we're getting into this. People are looking for the next thing. And it starts to get into this heroin phase. I mean, start. and being in Seattle, it, it rains a little too much there, right? And it's always gray. So yeah. you can see why people write that style of music and do drugs. <laughs> it's a very depressing place, it looks like. Uh, shout yeah. out to Bria Bill. She's not here. She would argue um, that it's a beautiful place. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, getting back to the their start, you know, um, and just the whole band. Yeah, it gets gets eighty eight and Tad uh, Thomas Andrew Doyle, he uh, is in a band. Um, what is that? H Hour? He played drums in this band, and he decides, you know what, I want to play guitar and sing. So he gets a guitar, gets an amplifier, um, and he starts writing music. And he write, writes a whole song, basically, you know, um, and performs it, and that essentially is what sub pop releases, which is the first Tad single, which mm. is just all him doing everything. Um, and that, uh, that comes out as that single under sub pop. And that's kind of one of the first sub pop releases also and bands that they kind of sign. I don't know if it's the first, but it is one of the first. They, uh, did um, a lot of those compilation albums. Yeah. Uh, just putting like all their artists on um, all mm-hmm. their artists on one album. It's just, yeah. Like artists so they, like, like liked in there. Yeah, yeah, Sub pop yeah. 200 and mm-hmm. stuff like that. I think we had a couple of those, uh, sitting around here on the CD shelf. Um, and so he gets Kurt Danielson who is in a band called bundle of hiss who had played with H hour at on previous gigs and stuff. And so they were kind of acquaintances it says, uh, Hey, come play bass for me. Um, basically this single that Tad did was starting to pick up some steam. People were liking it. You know, he then decides to put a band together kind of around this idea. Um, so he gets Kurt, Kurt agrees to do it. Um, they then recruit drummer Steve Weed from, uh, formerly of Skinyard and guitarist Gary, uh, Thorn, Thorstenson, Yeah. Um, and that's the original lineup. And then they, they yeah, they signed a uh, sub pop and then they release um, 
Daisy Ritual Dance on uh, Sub Pop. And and this is to to go back. This uh, from him recording that first EP by himself, mm-hmm. and then getting the band together mm-hmm. and performing live for the first time and recording another recording, EP. Yeah. Recording weeks. an album, they record. Weeks. Well, they, yeah, they do these singles, and then they do. Yeah, God's balls. Weeks mm-hmm. for God's sakes of playing together and just throwing it like they. It's just I don't know. Magic was in the air, you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like it just worked when these people met each other. Kurt meeting Tad, and you know, the the guitar player is awesome too, and so is that drummer. But let's be honest, it's kind of those two guys that like drove the horse. It does take the whole band, but. We know it because of these two guys always sticking with it. Yeah. Um, and so that's when they work with Jack and Dino, one of the legendary sub pop producers. Um, and they do God's Balls. And that was uh, released in 90? Um, 19, no, uh, 1989. 89, that's right. Yes. Uh, the Salt Lake Balls thing was 90. Right after, so um, yeah, they do that. Um, they also that's when yeah they do March '90s where they do the Salt Lake EP with Steve Albini and that had the Wood Goblin song, which uh, awesome music video was the music video they submitted to MTV and yeah. then MTV turned it down because it because uh, why like I would I, love to hear the reason yeah. why like some dumbass fucking excuse. Seriously? Like, uh, what did they say? It was too ugly or something like that? Yeah. Was that that one? Maybe. It's probably just like too uh, under budget. And it's like, who are all these guys with the shaky cam? You know? Yeah. It, it kind of reminded me of just like uh, homemade music videos. Yeah. Some bands just do it well. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Especially bands in this era, man. So many. Remember that uh, Sonic Youth CD? Mm-hmm. They made a, a music video for every song. Oh, yeah. 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 Um. So around this time, they put out uh, those two, and that's when they go on that European co-headline tour with Nirvana because Nirvana had yeah. just done Bleach and stuff. Sub Pop is kind of... Seven people in one van. Yeah, and that Whoa. just sounds like an epic show. You know, they're co-headlining, so they're switching off every other date besides Europe because they said Tad had a a media presence in Europe, so Tad kind of headlined... Yeah, and just the, like, they part of the, part they, of part of Europe's stuff, so or I'm, some parts. I'm quoting Chris Novoselic uh, saying that it just felt like Tad was bigger than they were. You know, Tad mm-hmm. was awesome. They were uh, very skilled musicians. Nirvana was just getting their bearings straight, yeah. especially on this tour, like trying to get their sound down. But Tad always had it. <laughs> Tad, would Tad be, was like came out the gates, just yeah. whoop ass. You know, they'd be the inspiration for some Nirvana songs too. Oh my god, yeah. So, um, so yeah, that was uh, that was the that whole European tour that co- that concludes, um, and they work on their second album, full length album, Eight Way Santa in '91, um, and this is by Butch Vig. So by this time, they've already worked with three super producers. You yeah, know what I mean, every year pulling out a fucking album. <laughs> yeah, pulling out something, um, and then this album is a little bit more kind of like not as. Uh, I don't want to say heavy, but it's not as grimy, it's more pop orientated as as it would claim. Um, it's, it's kind of like a, you know, a, from Salt Lake. And please, uh, all the listeners, go out and listen to both these albums, oh, yeah. you know. 
you can hear the difference. And especially when you get to inhaler and infinite uh, riding hood, mm-hmm. you know exactly where it all comes from. You know what I mean? Cause they're just like becoming a band, you know? Yeah. Working things out if you mm-hmm. will. Um, so yeah. And that's kind of where we get into these legal issues. Dear um, God. Yeah. So they, they put out, um, Away Santa. And first it starts with the album cover because it's, this this cover they found a scrapbook in a thrift store that had uh, some old pictures in it. Go ahead and Google this now, yeah. and so you can see the picture. Yeah, it's just very seventies looking. Yeah, it's big at, yeah. big old mustache and uh, bandana bra. It just looked like, like an old seventies porno. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so right, it does. Um, so yeah, they find this this album photo album book in a thrift store they were going to replace the albums uh, replace the photos right but some of the photos in there were really cool one of them turns out to be this this infamous photo of these two people um and they take it to one of the i guess producers of sub pop or one of the owners or something the art director forgot who exactly and they're like oh this is great can we take this and use it they're like yeah sure they take it, they alter it a little bit, throw some of that like weird. That's why it looks yellow and blue, and they yeah, kind of blue distort yeah. it. Do some color changing to it, and then uh, they release it. The lady sees the album Ow. at a record store because they're LPs at this point. You know, they're not selling CDs, so the album is humongous. <laughs> so everyone's like, "Have you heard of this? <laughs> that's fucking me." Yeah, so she sees it. God She's damn. like, "That's she." Apparently, what a small town. Yeah, she yeah. So apparently she sees it. They sue the band. Um, they have to change the album cover. This was before they broke too. Nirvana is just now working on Nevermind. It's ninety one, right? So mm-hmm. there, it's about to break. Everything is everything's about to change. Yeah, and, and this album could have been. And it was the supposed break. to be yeah. their break, you yeah. know, on that same time. So, um, but they they have to go through this quick, uh, you know album change where you're swapping the um the picture the picture yeah. um there's also band turmoil in the recording they uh at this point um steve is kind of the drummer you know, the drummer he's kind of all the it's just tired the battles touring. the touring yeah. and stuff and then this legal stuff happens this is the first one of this right. album right so the album's not even out yet or about to and they already have to scrap it scrap the album and start you know produce a whole new album art for it that costs money then at that same time there's a single on the album called jack pepsi which and then pepsi comes for their money fuck one of the artwork for the single was the tad name in the pepsi logo and so pepsi uh, at that time also one a ex-employee of sub pop kind of got let go and he was really upset about this so he kind of the word on the street is that this ex-employee that was upset went and told pepsi hey you might want to look into sub pop and this man tad so now tad gets in trouble ends up having to go through all this legal drama and grief what a fuck face and then um right right as all this is happening uh steve kind of quits because it's just you know 
adding on top all of the drama. There's, that, there's drugs. There's just everything. Working kind of, with yeah. a um, musical genius that has his own vision and direction. Mm-hmm. And being a drummer, you're kind of like sometimes told what to do in that situation because it's like I have an idea of what this needs to sound like. Plus, um, you know, Tad being a drummer himself and going to school to play Oh, drums. yeah. Yeah, so Tad was a he very, was very savvy very probably good. when it came to – the drum parts, if mm-hmm. you will. And, you know, that was, it's just one of the things for a drummer. You have to meet that middle ground. That was with the thing too. It's like, that was the story was, he, you know, Tad's telling him, Hey, try play it this way or yeah. do this. And it's like, it's frustrating for the word was he lost the creativity and the spontaneity of his, of his input as a band member dwindled because it became more of a, this is what the song is. You got to play this. Yeah. You know? So um, <clears throat> all of that kind of pushed Steve out the door right as this album is being released and stuff. And supposed to be blowing it's up. Supposed to be it's blowing supposed to be up. their fucking big break, quote unquote. It got pulled on the off the shelf two weeks after release, and they were saying it's four to six weeks is when the album really sails and skyrockets. And they're already fucked. So they were already messed up. Yeah. yeah so. And- not being able to go on tour to promote the album because not having a drummer either was another thing. So they're kind of just stuck in this place with having to redo the arb- uh, the album artwork and not having a drummer anymore because he just quit. That's two. And then on top of that, Pepsi coming for their fucking then, yeah, money so because of a song it, title. Hit, Fuck like, oh my you. gosh. You know what I mean? Yeah. And luckily, what did all they of, do to deserve this? No. Luckily, again, the scene is just about to break, so they're not suing them for millions and mil- you know suing them into the dirt in a way. You know what I mean? Yeah. They still think they're kind well, of well. They they want the album to like sell big, and yeah. then they come and get their money. Exactly. You know, it's like oh, this hit fucking platinum, and then they're exactly. like, cool. Now I'm gonna take all that fucking money that you made. Pepsi's thinking same thing with those people exactly. on the front of the uh, album artwork, the couple that were on there. Mm-hmm. They were thinking like, this is, oh, oh this we're going to make up. exactly. Yeah. We're going to make millions off this, and it's and like, like, no, Ted's like a small, small band. Yeah. yeah, I mean, we're trying to sell albums, exactly. but you're not making it fucking easy. Yeah. <laughs> and at that same time, it's like you can't try. Like you have to try, but not try because if you do sell albums, they're going to take the money. So it's yeah, like, so again, it's, stuck. They were just stuck, stuck in so. this place. So another a setback yeah. for one of the greatest bands of Seattle. And on yeah. that note, um, do you want to get into another song? Let's get into uh, the next track, which will be, uh, I think we're going to go with oh, uh, Bludge. Is that your pick? Bludge? Um, <laughs> uh, I believe it's the song before that. Oh, Red Eyed Angel? It's going to be track four, Emotional oh, okay. Cockroach. Gotcha. Yeah, this is a really good song, too. This is the one with the uh, metal banging. Yeah, we have some industrial yeah, inspiration. So keep your ears open for that. Mm.
And that was just absolutely nuts. That was, um, it's like, are we still listening to the same band? You know, it was like, <laughs> I don't even know. I was so uh, happy because I had these thoughts in my head listening to it and, um, you know, listening to uh, their older uh, albums and just thinking like, man, this is so, it has such an industrial feel. And, you know, coming to their last album, they were like, we want to throw some industrial shit in yeah. there. I, I only wish that they uh, could have went on and did more stuff because collaborations or something, you know what I mean? Experimenting with uh, that, more industrial sound an into owl, a Tad. Tad collaboration. Oh, man. <clears throat> That'd be fucking too sick, dude. So, um, Leaving off on them getting fucked, yeah, again. <laughs> so that yeah, they uh, they get fucked with the uh, whole Pepsi thing, and you know them and Mudhoney kind of leave around, leave Sub Pop around the same time. They both venture off, and at this time, like we said, uh, Nirvana kind of helped everybody in the scene because Nevermind comes out around this time and it blows up. It's different from everything else, and. Uh, Everyone wants that next Everybody Nirvana. Want, exactly. Band. So, so all these Seattle bands are starting to get looked at, mm-hmm. and major labels are starting to go around and sign. Literally, if you were on Sub Pop, you were you know some of the first pickings for these yeah. big ba- big labels that came into town to swoop you up. And then if you're a small band that was on this little little label, and then you get on a major label, and they throw thousands upon thousands of dollars at you for the, your next record and you're not used to it, you know, you're going to do with like the guy Mark from Mudhoney did. And like, <laughs> I'm going to go record my major at the same place I just recorded my last album at and I'm going to pocket the rest of the money because that's yeah. where I got my house. It was, it was so smart. And yeah. they were kind of left to their own devices there in the beginning to um, just do whatever, you know, like here's a yeah. bunch of money, do what you do. They don't know, like the yeah. labels don't know. And what, they don't know how to like uh, interact yeah. with these bands because it's a very new sound and these exactly. are, this is a whole different scene and they have no idea. Not like record they, producers yeah, exactly. have no idea what is going on and what's happening. All they know is that they need to get these bands now. They need to get them and let them do what they're doing because it's selling. Yeah. So, uh, and you know, around that time, they get picked up by Warner Music Group. Um, they're giant, giant records. That's uh, the label, but it's under Warner Music. So, um, um, so yeah, at that time, Steve had left, and they uh, got this replacement drummer um, just for a little bit to fill in for that tour. Because they needed someone to play. The gr- uh, drummer from Scratch Acid. Yeah, Ray uh, Washam. Washam, yeah. Which is a, a great fucking drummer. Um, just coming in to fill in for the tour of the uh, eight-way Santeria. Did I say that right? <laughs> Santa. <laughs> so yeah, yeah, he was filling in for that. Um, and then they had to later replace him in 91 with uh, Josh Cinder, who be- of the accused. Um, and he became the, uh, the full time, yeah. at least up until the, uh, just for the rest. Coming in, fucking yeah. big dick swinging, just smashing, hard, drums. smashing, yeah. playing fast. Going. Yeah. Um, Which brings us to our next album, mm-hmm. uh, Inhaler. And that's around ninety three, four, three. That was in ninety three. Ninety three. So 
kind of a little while, uh, like a two year before we can get to the next album because of all the mishaps of the prior album. Finally getting the money because people know that they're a good band. Mm -hmm. So let's get them, sign them, and let's get them to make an album and uh, forget about all those uh, mistakes in the past. Yeah. And then what happens? So yeah, they do re- they do inhaler. Um, it's their sort of major label debut. You know what I mean? Um, and they toured with Soundgarden to promote it, but the album really didn't do very well. At least in the beginning, you know, it kind of became that cult hit. Um, well, they couldn't figure out why. Like yeah. uh, the production is great. This album has a. Uh, one of their biggest hits, uh, Greasebox, which mm-hmm. we still get stuck in our heads today. And, um, I mean, Spotify keeps telling me to listen to it. And yeah. <laughs> and no one's fucking promoting the album for them on the other end. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, what's going on? Like, we got more buzz when it was just us being under fucking Sub Pop. Mm-hmm. Because at least Sub Pop went out and fucking promoted at shows. And got what happened here... Yeah. They're fucking AC, what is it, AR, ACR, what do they call them? That's what's really messed up there is, so they get picked up by this this major label. Um, Right as they're about to do all the things, the A&R rep for the label got fired. And so at that time, if the rep got fired, all those bands that the rep represented got dropped. So they were among those bands. So they got dropped um and that was that was kind of after they got dropped while on tour with and Soundgarden that's just what uh record labels yeah. did they probably didn't even listen to Tad's album at all no. knowing what they had it doesn't matter well, the thing was that that A&R director uh they got think fired. had bad judgment yeah. hence why he got fired since we don't girl. think any well she yeah. uh apparently she wasn't doing her job yeah. anyways yeah. so and, and the album just got fucked on that. The album was released as number thirteen on Spin's uh, twenty greatest grunge albums of all time. And then it also got uh, you know four out of fives and some B pluses. All music praised uh, Jay Jay Mascus of Dinosaur Junior, who did the production on the album, and said it gets more focused and has a driven sound. And regarded the record as easily their best and most consistent album. Um, I, I could definitely, I know what he means by consistent. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, Entertainment Weekly also said that album was alternative metal at its uh, finest, bruising, hammer, ham-handed, and catchy as hell, and compa- compared it to a poppier helmet. So, I can, you know, envision what they're saying, you know, that same brutal uh, bass and uh, screeching guitar. Yeah. And it just, but they just have a little bit more harmony to them you know there's yeah more harmony yeah that was that album that was the first let's be clear when they got dropped off this album uh, record label they were in the middle of the tour and they just cut the just pulled out the rug right underneath them just boom yeah that and that kind of also on tour just dropped everything how are you even going to get back from europe like pretty much leaving them trapped am i right Oh, sorry. We have the. I got the stories a little mixed up here. This that A uh, and R story is for infrared. The uh, um, the um, we're, we're bad at this. yeah the inhaler story. How they got dropped from that wasn't the A and R rep. Um, it was the Bill Clinton ad for the um, 
it's heavy as shit. Oh, him smoking a joint. Him smoking a joint and says, this is some heavy shit. And it's the tag oh, and promotion. Then, oh, so this is what happens that uh, since they're under Warner Brothers, one of the biggest yes. record companies, uh, they see some of those things that they're doing of what they did last time with the whole Pepsi thing and, mm-hmm. you know, putting our president or soon to be, I, I believe he's president at this time, um, smoking weed on one of their things. It's just like, again, this is 1995. Moms are pissed. Yeah, it wasn't even everyone's, the band that did it. Yeah, it was everyone's giant blaming records, so. music for yeah. anything that's wrong with their children. Mm-hmm. I mean, everything is under scrutiny at this point, you know? Mm-hmm. All music, uh, movies. It's just this is where we get the rating system for movies as mm-hmm. well, MY17 and stupid shit like that. Yeah. But um, can't, can't do stuff like that. Just too punk rock, too heavy metal for this label. Yeah. I mean, it sounds cool. They sound like a rock and roll band. I'm like, fuck yeah, rebel. Don't, you know, just be one of the uh, normal bands and just fit in with the mm-hmm. rest. So it, it doesn't, that's not who Tad is. It's not what makes him special. No. I mean, it, it was the promotional company that the record label had hired to create the marketing for the tour. So it's, you know, it's that, it's a classic, somebody else responsible you know it's kind of like this this mcdonald's documentary also that's kind of popular right now like they hired an outside yeah they hired an outside source to handle the security of their contest where it's like this this giant records hired a promotional company to do the marketing for the tad tour this company comes up with this poster it gets approved by the band it gets approved because it's cool. Uh, yeah, because it's cool. And it's rock and roll. Gi- and it comes out, but and I guess Giant Records wasn't doing their job. Warner wasn't. Somebody wasn't doing their someone job. Someone didn't look at it before it got exactly. out. And then, again, someone complained. And, and they were like, no, we, we're not going to be sued. You know, mm-hmm. so they're going to fucking. Meh. So, yeah, that was. So that. That's what happens with the <laughs> inhaler, them on a European tour. Warner Brothers just pulls out the carpet mm-hmm. and they're fucking trapped in Europe yeah. <laughs> on this tour. They released a live album in 95 and then it's kind of like a best of live sort of thing. So they're kind of just floating around after this coming back, but still wanting to make music. And, you know, at this point we're losing another member because of this same rigmarole. It's just turmoil after turmoil. Losing the record contract, losing the tour. the album just yeah. fucking vanishes almost because no one's pushing it Nobody's over there. Nobody's buying it. Yeah. Thorsten Tent, Thorstenson left. Um, but right after he left, or yeah, right after he left, they get their second major deal with the East West slash Electro Records, and uh, which is another Warner label. <laughs> well, I don't know if at this point Warner bro- probably them yeah, out. But, yeah, but uh, Electro was kind of their own separate there for yeah. a second and they were buying out smaller record labels around them and that was 95 when they signed and then they release the album we're celebrating today infrared riding hood um and, and this then, album is <clears throat> so interesting so this is the story we kind of got fucked up on when they this got the signed A&R, yeah. yeah by this um a month after the release yeah right and and it was the uh what what did they call them again a and R, A and R rep, the A and R rep signing them from Artists Electra. and repertoire. Oh, <laughs> and um, they just go in there, and again, they give them some money, and they're left to their own devices. And what do they do? They just start jamming. They just start playing, and 
and that's what they were saying in this documentary. Like every song is just off the top of their heads uh, in a way. Well, they're all also kind of gacked out. Forms. At this point, you know, all the members Drugs are kind of or like prevalent. You know, very prevalent. <laughs> you know, they're all kind of like going through their own phases of like sleeping in or staying in all day, going out at night. Well, they said, you know, like you play a show, you're on tour for the past five years, you get drunk every night because they put a bottle in the green room and you wake up with a hangover and you got to deal with that hangover. Yeah. What do you do? Exactly. <laughs> so, I mean, the whole band is kind of going through this kind of weird yeah, it's just mentality thing. So, you know, they label dropping, drug use, uh touring, yeah. just when does when do we even, you know, start making money from all this mm-hmm. kind of thing or make a living, if anything. Yeah. And that was uh that was kind of the start of the end with them. You know, the album kinda like you said, they started out strong and not like unconventionally where it's they just wrote songs and recorded them they didn't go over order form they didn't go or, back and try to critique it or, was just what came out yeah. the first time around and then they were like fucking press play record <laughs> it boom i'm gonna uh, write to yeah. whatever you did we're not gonna yeah yeah go down and break down and, and talk about like oh is this, Dude, is this, four this part times is then, this work for this yeah. you think this riff is good enough or maybe we should switch mm-hmm. it right now just straight out of nowhere and um i i believe almost any band can do this but i believe the problem would be is to play it again the same way you just did it like that. It's like, I think bands I just, could do it. It's, it sounds like they were really go back concise. and relearn my shit. Yeah. Like this one definitely didn't have a, like for, like you said, how often things change where you're like, Whoa, I didn't, I wasn't expecting that. Yeah. It's they're just jamming. It yeah. feels like and it's coming up with it and it's, they're very unconventional, but yeah. it, it just still sounds like a song. This also showcases again Tad or Theodore, his uh, his musical genius because it's all him. He's handling now all the songwriting where it was passed between, um, you know. Sorry about that, y'all. We got um, Gary, Jackie Boy in the background. Yeah. Gary and Tad, they would kind of, or, yeah, they would kind of, you know, head songwrite. Both of them really good guitar players in that sense. Yeah. And so that would be where um So this is this album is just a three piece. It's just a three piece. And pretty much it's like they're playing every song live on this album. Just go, roll the tape. Mm-hmm. And just fucking it sounds huge. You know, even uh it being one guitar player. Mm-hmm. And so that's uh that's where we get the the end of the band. We they put out this album. It's a uh work with um and they Jack and Dino again. It's um, Robert Lang Studios, which he has worked on um, Nirvana, Foo Fighters, Blood Brothers, Bush, kind of a 90s guy, you know. Hmm. Um, some of your best 90s uh, rock albums. Yeah, he was in the, uh, the um, they went to the studio, the Foo Fighters went back to that same studio um, in the, that show they did, uh, Sonic Highways. Oh, right. So in the um, they recorded the song Subterranean. That's the song they recorded at the studio. In studio. Seattle? Or um, where are we at now? It is in Washington, Shoreline, Washington. Yeah, that's that house that was converted into a, a, a fucking 
a goddamn record uh, studio. You know what I'm talking about? That house? Mm, it's kind of like dilapidated in the, in the uh, documentary uh, Sonic Highway. They go and they're like, a lot of stuff wasn't developed. They mm. like, had plans to rebuild, so a lot of the ground is tore up. We probably talked about it in the sinking. in one. Of Maybe. course, because that they was, go there to record, right? That was the last like studio a, yeah, that they... famous place to record. They did You Know You're Right at that studio. Mm. Last song they... And it's really just a fucking old house. And us, we recorded a band recently, uh, Spliff. They pulled out some music here this week. Uh, mm-hmm. so definitely check it out. Spliff, A-T-X, um, dot com. No, on Instagram. <laughs> and... Um, it was, uh, they just had this old house, you know, that was built in war times. Everything's like low ceilings. Uh, the walls are real thick, and you just get this really good sound from it. Mm-hmm. For some reason, everything's just dampened the right way. So, uh, yeah, they work with him, legendary studio, legendary producer. All that you would think everything's you know, like, even though they've had all these setbacks, they're still riding high, pushing through. And then A&R rep gets fired. Is the album sells poorly? Has literally Dropped no them. promotion. Yeah. You know, the day it comes out, there's no promotion. You know, um, it's kind of lackluster in that sense. Um, it's amazing that we had this album when we were younger. I guess we it might have been at this point. You know, they 2005 or something re-released the album. Was there a massive backstock of them? I that's feel like we found I, it pretty easy. That's why I think this album you can find pretty easy because of that. It didn't sell very well. So when Electra mass produced a bunch of them getting up to release, yeah, then they drop them. They just put all these, now they're discounted dollar CDs. Yeah, and the and, record stores are just buying them, you know, two at a time. Mm-hmm. You know, we had a lot of record stores here in Austin that, you know, cheap uh, I mean, discs, rest in peace. But, this um, CD was the one you would find. where we got it from. Yeah, you know, yeah, cheap exactly. Out. Like, it was the one that was around uh, for some reason. I mean, because, I mean, it, I guess because of that, it didn't sell very well. There's a lot of copies floating around compared to the other Tad records. Yeah, but, that um, and us being in Austin, which we have a pretty savvy music community and live shows and a lot of venues, um, we collect shit like that, so yeah. It's, it's if we lived, uh, I don't know, Plano, Texas, to find this album, <laughs> probably wouldn't have been that easy. Yeah, fifteen yeah. years ago. Well, uh, that's kind of the uh, end of this, uh, this tragic story of the band. There, they you know they do continue for a little bit after, um, just just for a small period. Um, a few things here and there, not like releases, but yeah, like just kind of kind of performing you know um after all this time all these members still around i mean the members are still around yeah uh, now bands can work on their own time do their own thing ted is could very easily yeah. i can't even speak right now very easily um just r- make a new album and release it on the internet for free you know it's it's that day and age where bands can come back like this from getting fucked over for so many years, mm-hmm. write an album, and probably go back on tour at, and play by their own rules and not have to deal with that whole record company bullshit yeah. of constantly on tour and then right back into the studio tour. Right? Well, we talk about this every episode when mm-hmm. we talk about this time frame in music. But um, I would really like to hear Tad come back you know, and yeah. write a new album because 
let's be honest, they were uh, everyone listening right now, go and listen to any of their albums. These guys are just geniuses. Yeah. If you love this style of music, if you're a fan of rock and roll and, and there's maybe just weird music in general or industrial, it's it's right up anyone's alley. Metalhead, punk rocker, you you name it, you know. Mm. Then that was uh they yeah they finished that album they uh, Cinder left the band that la- the, he played the remainder of the year but then left he uh, started a band Hot Rod Lunatics cool um, and then he was replaced on drums by Mike Mongrain from Foil and um, that's kind of they remain you know played with him for the sure. remainder of their existence they yeah. did one more they did a final single called a. Uh, Oppenheimer's Pretty Nightmare, Accident on the Way to Church. And that was in 1998 on Up Records. And then a year later, they finally dissolved called and called it, quit. it quits. Just couldn't keep it going. And then we'll get into a little bit more of the post stuff, like you know what they're doing now yeah. after we go through a, another song, I think. Uh, yes, let's get to another song. Um, enough of us rambling. Um, if you guys are like what you listen to, please follow us on Instagram at Bangover Productions. Uh, it's the same for our YouTube page, uh, Bangover Productions. Go subscribe, like, click the bell. I don't know. Just you like what we like. Yeah. Follow this us. is going to be a bludge. Pick this one, right? Um, another one of those industrial sounding songs that are yeah. just like grinding gears. I love it. <laughs>
and we're back. Um, <laughs> that was one of um, I don't know. It's all the all the songs on this album were so good. It was really hard just to pick like four. Like towards the end of this album, which mm-hmm. we were just playing songs off the beginning. Where I think that was song six. Six. Yeah. There's a total of twelve. So it just about halfway. Yeah. Heavier and heavier. It feels mm-hmm. like. Um, just crazier down the rabbit hole. Um, I fucked up and listened to the wrong album. Uh, shout out to the Salt Lick because that coming out in April as well. Uh, it's its anniversary kind of thing, but mm-hmm. you know this being its la- uh, their last album and just twenty five year. It's so fucking cool just to go in yeah. there and like jam this out. Like again, who does that? You know, go in there and just write everything off the top of your head and throw it there, and you're like, cool, album's done, printed. Um, this is a lost gem, you know what I mean? Yeah. This is like one of those things that thank you Spotify for keep shoving in my face because um, for me, I just don't go and click likes to uh, bands I've already listened to because I'm afraid you're going to keep throwing me more stuff like that. I'm trying mm-hmm. to find something new, but even Spotify is like, hey, you know, if you like this style of music, uh, Alice in Chains, Nirvana, um, I'm going to say either even bands like Faith No More and um, just metal in general, probably you know you like rock and roll. This is this is up your alley. This is this is gonna be one of those bands you're gonna fall in love with because mm-hmm. how heavy was that last song we just listened to? And then the chorus being so catchy, catchy and rock and roll, and mm-hmm. and, and actually singing, and then going to like this super distorted bass. You know, every time it's it's addicting in some ways. Um, it's the best combination of something like this. Me personally, and I know you can leave comments in any of these uh, on Spotify, anywhere, and just be like, you're fucking stupid. I'm not really the biggest fan of Dinosaur Jr. Seeing them live is definitely the best way to uh, fall in love with Dinosaur Jr., but for me, I just didn't like that whole, that lighthearted sound. You know, mm-hmm. I'm more of a metalhead. So this is definitely the band I would love just to like, you know, this is the band I could be like, Oh, this it's like know, a heavier version. Yeah. You know? Like it'd be a heavier dinosaur junior. Whereas it would also like, they were saying a poppier helmet, like kind of in that middle now. Right. Where a helmet's like too heavy and dinosaurs too, too soft. So and even in my opinion, I, I own a lot of those helmet albums. I, I'm not the biggest fan of that. I, I like corn. I like Rob Zombie. <laughs> oh, Marilyn Manson. Yeah. That's what I was kind of more into at that time. It's just now uh, opening up to more things. Um, knowing the uh, album Inhaler very well, mm-hmm. and even this album as well, just as well in some ways, because th- these were the two albums that we had uh, when we were you know, in high school and we used to pass around. Um, going back and be able to listen to those like Salt Lick and those early albums um, is just awesome because i'm falling in love with it again i'm i'm becoming yes. like more of a fan like i always loved tad but now i'm like really falling in love uh because of this episode really because i got to sit down and listen to it and i'm like i had no idea they had this like type of like grindy sound you know yeah. all i really knew was mainly inhaler and then forgetting this album almost altogether because it was just like Oh right, that was one of those. There's so, there's so many albums out there. It's mm-hmm. easy to forget, but to go back and be able to, but I think it's cause part, attention to it's it once more. Played out like you yeah, know what I mean, like it didn't get the mass, but it play. Hold, but it holds up over time. But it holds like, up yeah. musically, but it just it 
kind of glanced over our everyone's radar because of that, because of you know, no, uh, there weren't any record labels, drug record, use, uh, no. just you know, a, a bad roll of the dice. It's, uh, at that time, it also like your mate, uh, the '90s. That's a soundtrack era. You know what I mean? Like you, right? If you could get your song in a movie, oh, then, then everyone's gonna hear everyone's it. Everyone's gonna hear it. Yeah, and like so. <clears throat> I mean, they they never got that opportunity, whereas a lot of their peers did. Right? How many Alice in Chains, Soundgarden, Nirvana, Mudhoney, Mud name them, and they're in music, they're in pop culture. You know, Tad would have been right there. Exactly, right there. They have the music. They should have been right yeah. there. You know, and they were the best of all those bands when it came to banter on stage, uh, just being a cool group yeah. of guys to like hang out with, mm-hmm. uh, essentially, and. Uh, just uh, geniuses at writing songs, you know? Like, look at all these songs that are kind of, like, lost that maybe a lot of people don't know about. That are it's, really good. It's sad in some ways. And, yeah. And this is why we do this podcast and talk about albums like this. We had a list of, like, 40 albums, but we knew we had to pick Tad because they're a cult classic, and a lot of people don't know about it. If we can do one thing on this podcast is maybe give you something you haven't heard before, mm-hmm. you know? Or give you an idea where to find some of this stuff. Or not because not a lot of people are talking about it. You wanna you want to hear people talk about it because not you know what I mean? You wanna consume more you wanna hear people talk about the album you love. Right. Especially if it's a small album and not a lot of you know what I mean? You wanna converse, yeah. you wanna talk about these things and you you listen to something you fall in love with uh, yeah. an album and you you want to go out and tell your friends about it right mm-hmm. you're like have you heard this this exactly. is fucking awesome that's one thing about music it's more genuine than when someone's like oh this movie's awesome you should watch this you know and you and people hype it up and you watch it you're like i don't know what everyone's big fucking deal about you know but music is a little different because it's it's something you imagine in your mind when you listen to it. You have a different picture than someone else, you know, mm-hmm. instead of someone showing you what they want you to see, uh, you're able to see what you are uh, envisioning or, you know, what I'm getting at. Yeah. It's just, it's, I feel more genuine going and being like, dude, you have to listen to this album more so than being like, this movie is Go so good. Movie, yeah. Fucking listen to this. It's, I, I don't know. Maybe it's just me being a music nerd, but I yeah. would suggest this to anyone. And um, oh my god, like these uh, everyone should go out and just watch like interviews with Tad. They're awesome and hilarious, and just as good as watching like we talk about like watching interviews with like Lemmy or mm-hmm. you know Gibby Haynes. It's just they're like a yeah, fun it, group. So yeah, it's such a rock and roll personality, such um, a mind. Mm-hmm. You know, it's. Um, a shame that most people don't know. And I know we keep saying that, but it's like, how the fuck, you know, especially a band that was like, everyone was like that band kicks ass and they just get fucked. Yeah. Um, well coming to current times, uh, after they broke up, um, Tad did, uh, form some other bands, hog Molly, which is a band he formed. Other members kind of went and did their other stuff too. Um, uh, let's see. They they did do a reunion in 2013. Oh, which was a partial reunion. Um, in that documentary we watched, they it was I believe Kurt and um, Tad who hadn't seen each other in like seven years or something. Jeez. And so yeah, they uh 
they had got together and um that was for that documentary but then um and they got the um sorry looking through here in the 2013 reunion though um it was for sub pop's 25th anniversary so um given had being a huge staple in the sub pop family right they were you know kind of got did a partial semi reunion there where they played songs from god's ball salt lake and eight way santa um but they had a. it was just tad and gary so gary wasn't in the documentary but he agreed did he did the reunion and everybody else that was in the documentary wasn't in the reunion so who knows what's going on there but yeah um Brothers of Sonic Cloth uh, played the filled in. The Brothers of the Sonic Cloth. It is, but they... So they just filled in? They filled in uh, bass and drums for them. And uh, yeah, I mean, partial set in 2000, partial reunion in 2013, which was seven years ago. You know, so chances, maybe, you know, 30... Uh, probably maybe yeah. the 35th anniversary 40th you may if everyone's still around you may get something at the sub pop reunion i would, I would love know. to hear another album um <clears throat> please uh, everyone go out and check out live performances as well by this band because they're fucking yeah. nuts on stage it's gonna be hard to do that maybe being a little bit older you know like in your 50s and just not be able to like Throw your yeah, body yeah. like that on stage without throwing your back yeah. out. It would uh, be that's cool. the only downside, but uh, I'm sure they are more refined as musicians yeah. at this point, you know. And uh, another album would be fucking tits, you know. Metal Injection in 2017 ranked them as uh, number five on the top 10 heaviest grunge bands. So, yeah, just yeah. Uh, another. Who else you know, was above that? I mean, Melvins, it's, it's, it yeah, doesn't. Sure, I mean, the Melvins, maybe. You know, what I mean, you get like who else? No. That's where it starts to get really like that. Like, it does, there really isn't very much heavier than Tad. No, um, I can only think of like the Melvins, and that's because they don't. Whenever their choruses come, they don't go catchy. That'd be the only. Yeah, they're kind of like they could just make a whole catchy song, or just be insanely metal, yeah. or eight minute long songs. They kind of just do whatever they mm -hmm. want to. Uh, hence why we love bands like this. Uh, it's a little bit more focused yeah. to it. It's like, you know, there's a song here. There's a, a song and there's an idea of their personality, you know, that too. I reflecting. think the personality really comes through. Yeah. Lyrics, uh, imagery, all the, <laughs> I mean, all the album covers. That's Everything was so cool and rock and roll and yeah. yeah and, Funny and uh, the please go and check it was out this supposed to be funny, documentary. But then it, you know, just like all that, like you're trying to have some fun and and take the shit out of things. Yeah, and take people are like, "This guy's piss out of it or whatever," and it's like, "Oh, it's just Bill Clinton with the." Uh, uh, and nowadays, uh, no one's gonna be pissed off about that one. I could see I mean? why at that time it's like it's just it was the, pretty edgy the time we were yeah. in you know and rock and rolls just yeah. uh, has like a fucking lens on it from uh society and i want to say it fucking christians <laughs> god damn but uh yeah i i just um really i really hope i get to hear something else 
And I'm going to definitely check out these other bands uh, he was in because yeah, I'm sure it's going to be messy and noisy mm-hmm. and mm, just fucking gushing and dripping with just emotion. Oh, I just, um, there's so many uh, words that I can say about their sound that um, are just going over my head. I can't think of anything. <laughs> I'm just yeah. like, just listen to it for God's sakes. Yeah, go go listen to that. Uh, their their newest thing. It came out two years ago, but it was Quick and Dry, which is that live album, or Quick and Dirty. But yeah, um, definitely gonna check out that live album. I hope um, there's some clarity because they are just fucking. You think this is heavy? It's way heavier live. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, uh, definitely looking forward to checking that out. And um, do we have any other fun facts? Um, I mean, definitely check out this documentary. It's very entertaining. Yeah, that, um, that came out in 2008, so that has basically all up all the information up until the reunion. Right, in um, 2013. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we'll see. Um, yeah. Um, hopefully, we, again, we, yeah, you know, really, we have these albums that will stand the test of time. In I my really opinion. would like to hear something new. I'm sure it would be heavy yeah. as balls and... And just going back and like listening to those other albums again, you know, like Eight Way um, Santa, I, I didn't really get to uh, ingest that album. Just a brief listen through, just to have some reference uh, mm-hmm. to older stuff. But uh, going back and listening to that, um, you know, I got a lot of stuff on my plate. Yeah, <laughs> I got some shit like I should be like saving and like, like okay, cool, like I have some fucking time to sit down and put this on, really dive in and yeah get an idea of like um, a different way of writing songs. Me and Chris here have been, you know, we're, we're on quarantine. We're, we're recording this right now in in an underground bunker here in Austin. And we have just a lot of time on our hands. So we've been jamming a lot and talking about song structure and stuff. And we do this episode on Ted and it's, it's opening up my eyes to see uh, that, that almost any possibility is out there. You know what I mean? It's just like, your conviction and how you sell it. Mm-hmm. You can do whatever you want. It doesn't have to be way, overly complicated. Yeah. If just it has to sound good. And so again, like, and it it just has to you know resonate in some way. But um, I heard this great quote the other day from Dave Grohl, and he was just saying like, "What makes a catchy song?" And they did this uh you know whole uh like research or um what do you call those like um like a college does a trial or like a study. There it is. Mm. A study on what makes a catchy song and things have to fall into these certain like uh, quadrants. And when something does hit that quadrant, a lot of bands or a lot of bands start sounding like because uh, catchiness and what is being heard. So someone hears something like Nirvana and then everyone's going to try to start you know, just reaching out to find more of that style of sound. And it's not just bands that are just making it up. It's just what is in the air and the atmosphere at that time. Mm-hmm. So you're going to get a lot of that same sound. And it doesn't mean that these bands are necessarily writing or uh, making up songs to sound like this because of what is selling. It's just what is at this moment. You know, it's just the time it's stamp. the sound of that. Yeah, movie. and it being the nineties and where everyone's head was, you know, it has to do with a lot of that. There's a lot, you know, we get a lot of great artwork from um, just what's going on in society, you know, Mm -hmm. and things around a band. 
and what how they you know ingest it and regurgitate it is um fascinating because you know anyone can write a song really it's just um is it the right time is it the right time for this song yeah and that's pretty much what it comes down to um it was the right time for dad but just fucking record producers and when it comes to money and the politics behind it i mean yeah hence why we didn't have a lot of bands go after their magnus opus of albums you know mm-hmm. it's just kind of the time and we live in a better time now when it comes to music so that's why i'm saying we really hope something comes from tad please go back and listen to yeah. all their albums um uh-huh. music videos are fucking insane too uh they have a, quite a bit they do have a lot of music videos and they're just kind of like handheld camera music they're videos cool. yeah. and they're, the one with they're really the- thought out the on the chair on the, the car chair, yeah filming that if you in that documentary there's like a behind the scenes of them filming it, it looked like it was the real. scariest yeah shit they didn't have any permits to do that <laughs> just I, I was wondering if he was like chained down to that car but he's like standing on the hood it is like teen wolf he's like fucking surfing i was like holy shit and they were like did you see that cop that was behind us and yeah. I was like, wait you didn't have a permit to do this Oh, uh, just, and they're on a major at this point, too. This was like for inhaler or something. Oh, it's just <laughs> what a fucking ridiculous. fun band. Just let them fucking yeah. be, you know? Yeah. Oh, my God. Um, Correction, oh. Brothers of the Sonic Cloth is another one of his bands. Oh, so well, was, there you go. Yeah. That makes sense. They would fill in. Um, so, again, please follow us on all the things. Like, subscribe, sure. Uh, sure. follow, Bangover Productions. Type it in. Google it. You'll find us. And uh, we have more episodes coming up. Uh, hopefully we're going to get out of this bunker pretty soon. We're back to the rest of the world and start playing live shows, get out there, but more podcasts to come, uh, different podcast ideas for uh, more shows coming up, uh, movies, uh, maybe like breakdowns of uh, music videos. I know we've talked about like this Aussie thing for a while. Uh, Yeah. It's something that, you know, we're going to have to get into and, uh, Yes, again, thank you all for listening. And what what song are we ending it on? We're going to end it with one of my favorites on the album. And it's Dementia. But uh, it's, this one is not going to be a heavy one, per se. This is going to be like a super catchy Tad song. This is kind of like the other... The other the, side. The other spectrum of Tad. Right. Like the, the, uh, the soft soft sensitive side of tad but like still yeah but still catchy like you could hear this being played at 11 and you're like oh my god kind of right. that dinosaur it's, junior philosophy it's like it's soft but loud i'm gonna play loud it fucking folk loud rock. so loud gonna, folk rock exactly yeah. so uh let's uh dig into that and thanks everybody again i'm scott allen this is chris myers bango for productions podcast